Hello, I'm JJ Holly. I'm President and CEO of the Woodlands Area Chamber of Commerce, and welcome to another episode of Between the Trees. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Woodlands Online, for helping us with uh, the production of the show every week. And welcome to our first show of the year. It is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Randy Johnson with the Montgomery, uh, Montgomery County Health District and uh, talking a lot about issues that are affecting us all today. It's a very important issue how COVID is, uh, the pandemic is affecting our lives and uh, welcome to the show. Thank well, you, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, JJ, for having me. I look yeah. forward to it. Thank well, you. Good. So if you can let, uh, let our viewers know, what is the health district and what role does it play in the county? Okay. Uh, actually, I'm in charge of two health districts, so it's, it's even more confusing than the question you just asked. Mm -hmm. so I'll quickly try to go through that. Uh, I am, uh, I'm the CEO of the Montgomery County Hospital District, and the hospital district was started in 1977. The mm -hmm. original purpose was back when Montgomery County had one hospital and it was in Conroe, mm -hmm. it wasn't doing well. It was a little county hospital, and so they set up the hospital district to uh, actually tax funds to help pay for the indigent care at the hospital district. Mm -hmm. The hospital sold in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. So you may ask, well, why are you guys still around? So we do primarily three things. Uh, back when uh, the, the hospital district was helping to offset expenses for Conroe Hospital, mm -hmm. um, they had a hard time getting patients to the hospital. So we set up a hospital ambulance service. Uh, we still run the county ambulance service. So Montgomery County runs the uh, hospital district, runs the countywide 911 EMS service. Mm -hmm. The second thing that we do is we still take care of indigent patients in the, in the county. If you're a resident in the county and your income falls below 150% or above 150% of the federal income poverty level, mm -hmm. what does that mean? That means a family of four makes $40,000 a year okay. and you're sick and you need to go to the hospital or have pre or post hospital care, you can apply and if you're eligible, uh, then we can uh, help pay for your, your funding. So we do that. Um, the third thing that we do is we also manage the public health district. Uh, we took over the public health district from the county in 2010. And uh, so we manage the day-to-day -day functions of the public health district. So actually we have two different boards. We have, uh, uh, the hospital district has a board of seven board members who represent uh, all the areas of the county. And then the public health district has a five member board. Uh, one board member represents large cities, which we have Duke mm -hmm. Coon who is, represents Conroe. Uh, the second board member represents small cities. Um, and that's um, Mr. Uh, Lynn, I'm blanking on uh, the mayor of Panorama, okay. Lynn Scott. Uh, the, the next one is uh, representing the county uh, is the county judge. And then uh, we have a board member uh, from Montgomery County Hospital District that also sits on that board. So uh, what we do with the public health district is we are the ones who receive um, vaccines for the public health district. We get a small allocation of vaccines. Uh, we also take care of uh, children's vaccinations. We monitor the COVID pandemic and all the infectious mm -hmm. disease diseases with all the hospitals uh, that go through the county. So when you say vaccines in that respect, you're talking about all the vaccines. Well, we no, we, we monitor, I'm sorry, we monitor infectious diseases in the county okay. like COVID. The way that the COVID vaccines come to the county, 
we don't monitor, we don't have any say in what vaccines come to the county. Mm -hmm. Currently what's happening is um, the state receives an allocation every week and they haven't been able to manage what they're getting. And mm -hmm. then they have a expert panel. Uh, we request vaccines from all the different entities that want vaccines. Mm -hmm. The expert panel decides how many vaccines they have and how they should allot them. So we don't control the number of vaccines that go to Methodist, Memorial, St. Luke's, mm -hmm. or the HCA hospitals, or the uh, retail uh, independent uh, pharmacies and, and markets. Mm -hmm. um, we, we get vaccines, a small number of vaccines that we do. We, we do help coordinate and work with all the different sites in giving vaccines. Uh, but last week, for example, we got 400 vaccines. Mm -hmm. you know, the hospital systems are getting much more than that because they're bigger systems. And that is all controlled by what agency at the state? Uh, the Department of uh, Health and Human Services. Okay. It's called DISHES. Ah, uh, okay. that's right. Uh -huh. Okay. So, so the Department of Health and Human Services is making requests to, I guess, to, the manufacturers to, of the vaccines? To, to or? the feds. Okay. And then the feds determine from the manufacturers which states get how many of each vaccine. Uh, okay. But the vaccines are then, once the, once the approval is gotten, mm -hmm. the vaccines are shipped directly from the manufacturer to like Memorial Hospital, mm -hmm. Methodist Hospital, the Montgomery County Public Health District. They go directly mm -hmm. to, the, to the recipients of those vaccines. Oh, okay. And there's a lot of requirements I've heard about the temperature of the vaccines have to be kept in. It's a lot of special storage. There are. All the vaccines require cold. And uh, the Pfizer vaccine requires extremely, extremely cold temperatures. Mm -hmm. And so the chain of custody or making sure that that temperature is kept is very, very important. Uh, the Pfizer vaccine requires two vaccines. The first one is taken, and then 21 days later, you get the second one. Mm -hmm. The Moderna vaccine also requires cold, but their requirements aren't quite as strict as the Pfizer. So the chain of custody there, while still important, mm -hmm. uh, the cold doesn't have to be so, mm -hmm. so cold. And you get the original vaccine, and then you're eligible to get the second vaccine 28 days later. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine should be coming out uh, toward the end of February, and that will be mm -hmm. a one-shot vaccine. Uh, that's nice because the, some people are concerned. They've gotten their first round of vaccines, but then they're concerned about how they're going to get their second round of vaccine on time. Well, I think that you're going to be able to get your second round of vaccine on time. And I'm probably proof because I just got my second round of vaccine about 30 minutes ago. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, this was the day I was supposed to get it, and it did arrive on time. So if someone, uh, and this is a little bit of a detailed question, but if someone has had their first round of, mm -hmm. of vaccinations, then how would, they, how would they schedule or make appointments for their second round? Well, typically when you go for your first round of vaccine, uh, you're given uh, information on that vaccine and you're given an appointment time then. And then depending on who you're signed up with, uh, you'll, you'll go on a link and that link mm -hmm. will let you know what time you're supposed to go through for your second vaccine. Okay, so really the key is once you get in on that first vaccine, you're, you're slotted in already for the second. Yes. So that is good. Yeah, the hard thing is getting the first one. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And again, there's huge demand. It's worldwide demand right. for all the vaccinations. And uh, we're doing the best we can here in Montgomery County to dole out what we get. 
Yes, and uh, we're actually doing better in Montgomery County than Harris County is doing as far mm -hmm. as getting vaccines into arms. And so mm -hmm. even though it's very frustrating here, um, mm -hmm. the process is being uh, developed as we're going through it. Yes. And I think each week you're seeing it start to become a little bit less burdensome. Mm -hmm. One of the big problems that we're having now is whenever there's an, an announcement that uh, a certain agency has vaccine and you go on the website, so many people are going on the website that it's crashing the website. Yeah. And I know that's very frustrating mm -hmm. for both the people running the website and the poor mm -hmm. people waiting to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. That's true. That is because yeah. you want to get scheduled, yeah. you know it's available and you can't get a time. But uh, I, I, think that, I think that in the next two or three weeks, I think things are going to get to be considerably better. There's going to be a lot more um, drive-through vaccine capabilities available because mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be getting so much more vaccine. So, That's great news. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, keep talking patience, 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 but I think finally it's going to work yeah. out for us. So, and let's talk about safety of the vaccine because I, I hear some people have concerns about the vaccine has the live virus. So if I don't have COVID, I could catch it when I take the vaccine or we've even heard that some people are, are, are actually dying from taking the vaccine. What are the, what's the real story with, uh, with the vaccines? Okay, well, the vaccine does not have a live, live virus. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it has uh, a spike from the virus uh, that's, that's created in the lab. So it can't change your DNA. Uh, mm -hmm. um, it, uh, I, can't, I won't say it can't make you sick because mm -hmm. as you start building, what it does is it has a lab-created virus that, that mm -hmm. has a, a, a spike that goes into your arm. And then what happens is... Uh, and that's that protein spike, isn't that it? Protein that protein spike goes into your arm. And that's what that does is that uh, lab-created protein spike uh, creates the antibodies that protect you uh, from the virus and uh, it's safe uh, uh, the only uh, people have that have not been uh, checked for safety are pregnant people and mm -hmm. children under the ages of either 18 or 16 depending on which uh, uh, which uh, vaccine that you're getting mm -hmm. I think that uh, I think that it's uh, very safe even though this is these vaccines have been hurried a tremendous amount of money, I mean, uh, has been spent on developing these vaccines. Mm -hmm. And so the reason they were able to get the trials out so quickly is typically there's not a big rush to get a medicine out. And so each of the phases of the trials take place and there's time mm -hmm. that lags between the phases of the trials. Mm -hmm. What they did on this one is they stacked each of the phases on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you got through most of the first phase, they started working with random groups of people mm -hmm. to use the second phase. And so the safety is there, but they were able to check the three phases of going through the vaccine process almost simultaneously. And, and that's good to hear because uh, I mean we're all familiar with how projects are managed mm -hmm. and there are ways to crash a project, especially yes. if you have slack time between phases. because. Mm -hmm. As you as you put it, uh, there usually isn't a huge rush to get uh, uh, medicines and vaccines available, but this one was obviously, you know, fast tracked. It was very much f fast tracked, but I but think no there steps was, were skipped. I don't no no skip no steps were skipped, and mm -hmm. I think that there was a tremendous amount of uh, focus on mm -hmm. doing the job quickly, but doing the job right. Like mm -hmm. I say, a tremendous amount of resources were poured into yeah. each of these vaccines. And, and we've heard, uh, I think I've, I've read online, 
that there have been some deaths associated with the vaccine, but uh, those seem to be, there were a very small number of deaths uh, during, the, uh, during the trials, but they were not associated with the vaccine. In other words, someone passed away from cardiac arrest six months later, or that, what, that, what, what kind of information can you give us on? Okay, uh, I have read that and it's been a couple of uh, weeks and so I'll, uh -huh. I'll, I'll not do a very good job. But yes, when they did a look at uh, comparing the vaccines for Moderna and for Pfizer uh, with the random groups, uh, mm -hmm. They found that it was very efficacious or very good to take the vaccine mm -hmm. because it, it got you to an 80 to a 90 percent uh, uh, rate of, uh, of, of not getting the vaccine. Mm -hmm. uh, but whenever you're testing large trial numbers of people, they looked at, I think, about 16,000 people mm -hmm. uh, in the placebo group or the, uh, the group that didn't get the vaccine as opposed to the group that did get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you have that number of people through all ages, uh, they had some cardiac uh, cases in the vaccine group where some, car some patients died of cardiac arrest, mm -hmm. but, the, uh, but they had less people that died of cardiac arrest than did in the placebo group. So yes. I think what they determined was, was not the vaccine that had caused the death, and they actually looked into it. Mm -hmm. uh, the person had just gotten to end of life. So we're not aware of any deaths directly related to the vaccine at all? We are period. not. Worldwide? We are not. That's great news. That's good. And I'm glad to hear that because the sooner we can get people vaccinated, the sooner we can kind of release the stranglehold on our on our economy. Absolutely. Uh, and and this is just Randy Johnson guessing. Sure. Uh, but one of the things that we do as the hospital district is we monitor the emergency room capability and the ICU capability of all the hospitals in the county every morning and every evening. And uh, at this point in time, our hospitals are all full mm -hmm. because it's that time of year. Mm -hmm. We're also, our, our rate of, of COVID patients is higher than it's been, mm -hmm. but it's starting to level off. And so we're hoping and we're thinking that maybe we finally have reached the peak. We've gotten to the point where the turnaround time in the, in the emergency rooms uh, was excessive because they would have anywhere from 10 to 25 patients waiting to go up on the floor, but they couldn't go to the floor because the floors mm -hmm. were still full. So mm -hmm. there was a backup in all the hospitals. So we've been working to see how can we get patients into the hospitals, and mm -hmm. there's been a lot of work on throughput. But I think that's finally plateauing, and my best guess is that if we give this a couple more weeks, I think that we'll start to see a, a downturn in the number of patients that are hospitalized, mm -hmm. and probably by spring break, it, you know, we're not going to have everybody vaccinated, and uh, this probably won't really take care of itself until the mm -hmm. end of the summer. But by spring break, I think mm -hmm. we can really start sort of being back to normal and sure. maybe have a good summer. That, thank you for that good news. <laughs> uh, I, I like to a little bit of optimism. I know, being a chamber guy, I'm an, an eternal optimist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's, uh, that is one thing that, uh, and, and I see every day the numbers from the Office of mm -hmm. Emergency Management that they send those out and the... Uh, and the one number I do look at first is the number of hospitalizations. And when I saw it back in July, when we had our first real spike, it looked like there were about 250 where it maxed out at. And three-ish weeks ago, I saw we were in the 300s, 320, 327. And now it seems like with every day I see, I see more, uh, a, redu a reduced number Yes, a slightly reduced yes. number. 10, 10 to maybe yeah. 15 a day looks like they're going down. And, uh, you know, we have about 146 uh, 
intensive care beds in the hospitals in mm -hmm. Montgomery County. And right and today we're at about 163 uh, patients that are in the intensive care units. So mm -hmm. what the uh, hospitals have had to do is make additional beds so that, that they can expand their capability mm -hmm. in the in intensive care unit. So what we're really concerned about, what, what I'm concerned about, is you know we want to make sure that we have enough hospital capacity that we can take care of the truly sick, the people who mm -hmm. belong in the ICUs. Mm -hmm. And so we really watch that ICU volume, and as the ICU volume goes down um, to perhaps 80%, 90% mm -hmm. of capability, I think we're going to be in a good place then to start opening things up yeah. more than they're open now. Well, that, that's great news. And, we're, and, and that's one thing also I think is a valid point is that a hospital bed is not a hospital bed. It's not a hospital bed. Hospital beds are segmented within the facility. They that are. a normal hospital bed versus an ICU bed versus an emergency room bed, uh, you can't just, you know, color all those with the same, the same uh, the same crayon. You, you cannot. And now one of the things that's nice about Montgomery County, we have tremendous hospital health care systems yes. here. Uh, the, the care, the expertise here is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's great is we're part, each one of these hospitals is part of a bigger system. So not only can we try to move patients in the county to the hospitals that may have the most capacity in times like these, mm -hmm. but the systems themselves can move patients throughout their systems. Methodist, Memorial Hermann, St. Luke's, mm -hmm. uh, and HCA all can send patients to other hospital networks they have mm -hmm. in the greater Houston area. The problem is now that the fill rate in all the Houston area hospitals is the same. So everybody's cup runneth over, so yes. to speak, at this point in time. But I think we've hit the peak and we're starting to slowly drift yeah. down. And, and we're, we're even hearing that some people are putting off health care for serious conditions because they're either A, afraid the hospitals are too full for them, or B, they're afraid the hospital may not be a safe place for them to go, and, and they're afraid they might contract COVID if they go to a hospital. Yes, that's a very good point. And there's a C that may be the biggest issue of all, mm -hmm. is when you go into a hospital now, uh, you can't bring in loved ones. That's true. And so lots of people are deferring their hospital stays mm -hmm. because they don't want to be there by themselves. And so what we're seeing, especially with EMS, is patients that need to go to the hospital mm -hmm. are putting off going to the hospital if they have chronic problems until it's really an emergent problem. Mm -hmm. And then when they get there, they're sicker, which creates a bigger problem. So mm -hmm. we have all these things are intertwined, mm -hmm. but I think we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm very, like you, I'm very optimistic. Yes. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, 2021 started where 2020 left off. That's right. But the difference is instead of... Just because the calendar flip <laughs> didn't, didn't make a difference yet. But the, you know, it kept getting bleaker in 2020. Yes. Now it's getting much brighter. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think our patience and our diligence is finally going to pay off. Yeah, that's good. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up? Well, uh, there is one thing that I will cover, and I, probably everyone uh, knows this, but... Uh, <clears throat> You can go to the state uh, dishes website, mm -hmm. and it's it's uh, it's called the COVID Hub. Go to that website, and you can pull up, and it will show everywhere in the state that has vaccines and is and, and are vaccinating, and it'll give the most recent data they have. Sometimes mm -hmm. the data is twelve hours old, and it may be 
Mm. It may not be accurate on how many vaccines are available at which locations. And so if you're really in a hurry to get a vaccine, check there on a daily basis and, uh, and wish you well getting one. It's getting easier. Uh, it's getting more hardwired. Uh, yeah. We're, com- we're going to come out of this. And if someone does uh, want to get a vaccine, how, how does that process work? How do they, uh, are there certain requirements they've got to meet? And, and then how do, they, how do they get a vaccine? Okay, there are, pr- there are requirements. Originally, the requirements were you needed to be a healthcare worker or a uh, first responder uh, to get a vaccine. We're through all of that. Uh, now you need to be uh, a healthcare worker or first responder, mm-hmm. or you need to be above the age of 65 or below the age of 65 if you have some kind of a condition that uh, is a problem like uh, cardiac disease, obesity, uh, mm-hmm. cancer, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the mandate also is get shots in arms. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think that in the next two or three weeks, things will be opening up even more so that we can get more and more and more people vaccinated. And as soon as you get that information, I think you're sharing it with uh, with all the media outlets so that we are. Uh, just we, keep an eye on the news and you'll know where to go and yeah, how to get it. Yeah, we we share it through the public health district every day at three o'clock. And we mm-hmm. also send it to the Office of Emergency Management and they're sharing it on their website as well. Great. Well, Randy, thank you very much for all the work that you do. Uh, it's very important work, but it's even heightened uh, now with COVID. So we appreciate you helping to shepherd us through this. Well, thank you. We have, uh, we have some tremendous uh, healthcare providers and first responders here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, it's a frustrating time, but this is a very lucky place to be. Montgomery yeah. County is a great place for your health. You're exactly thank right. You. Randy, thank you for being here. And my thank you for tuning in uh, to another episode of Between the Trees. Again, my name is JJ Holly, and I'm the president and CEO of the Woodlands Area Chamber of Commerce. And We would like to thank our partners, Woodlands Online, for helping us with the production of this event every week, and we'll see you at the next episode. Thank you and have a good day.